Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, I'm in transit at the moment. I happen to be in the Netherlands as it happens. Uh, I went, to, if you look at my, any of my social media, you'll see a video clip or some imagery of um, the cubic houses in Rotterdam. But needless to say, uh, what, I'm, what I'm really trying to say is I'm still making time to share with you, dear listener, uh, the, you know, the, in this Property Heavyweight series. In today's episode, I'm joined by Abraham Bolel, who is uh, now the uh, MD uh, of Simple Bridging UK, which is a private bridging company, uh, his own funds and a family office type of funds, if you like. And uh, Abraham's been in the business for a couple of decades now, 22 years, I think it is, approximately. And he's got a lot to, to share, and he's been through quite a lot of uh, iterations, I guess, uh, over that period of time, as you're about to hear. So it's a fascinating conversation. Um, I had to extract a lot to get into the, into the guts of it, and perhaps I spoke a bit more than I should have done. So therefore, it's a little bit longer than maybe it should be today. So I'll shut up now, and I'll let you have a listen to the conversation with Abraham right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. And here we are again. It's another episode on our Property Heavyweights series. And I'm really pleased to be joined on the telephone today by Abraham Bolel from Simple Bridging UK and Associates. Abraham, first of all, hello. How are you doing? Fantastic, Richard. And how are you? Yeah, no, I'm also fantastic. There's a lot going on. I know there's a lot going on in your world too, but that's always a good sign, isn't it? When we've got when we're busy and we've got things going on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You don't want to be sitting home twiddling your thumbs. Exactly, uh, Abraham. It's, as, as I mentioned before, we got on air. I'm, you know, I'm very grateful you came to join us today and share with our audience uh, some of your story. I, I know some of it. And, you know, I've only recently got to, you know, encounter and, and, and work with you a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm curious myself about some of your backstory. And usually in this this part of the conversation, that's where we start. Um, so would it be OK if you just told us a little bit about yourself? And obviously the focus is on your property journey in particular. And I'm sure there'll be other parts of uh, yeah, for life, sure. life and business. Would that be OK? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm 42 years old. Uh, my parents come from Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, my dad's the GP, and he came to the UK about about 42 years ago, 43 years ago. And I had the privilege of being born in Newcastle, Geordie Land, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad practiced in uh, Sunderland for many years, and he bought a couple of properties around his surgery, and he bought me a couple of properties, and. Uh, I took over the portfolio uh, about uh, 20 odd years ago and I refinanced the usual and I built myself up a portfolio, you know, property portfolio, um, some student properties, single lets, HMOs. Um, and then I wanted to really share my knowledge with people that hadn't been there and hadn't 
you know, ha- were trying to invest and didn't know how to do it because I struggled at the beginning, although my dad was a property, but there was not much that uh, wasn't time and you know, he didn't know loads has just happened happened to fall in his lap. So I wanted to share my uh, expertise with other people. So I opened up a letting, ag- uh, letting agency together with an uh, introducing company, mainly focusing on introducing properties and people be able to have their properties let managed afterwards, which uh, called Property Investments Northeast. I had that for about four years. Um, we shifted about 150 houses. We sourced them, refurbished them, and managed them. I sold that property and then went into bridging. That's my life in short. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, is it, when we put our life in shorts like that? And that was a very succinct summary. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can delve a little bit into some of that. But. Um, uh-huh. The, the, with the property journey then, so you started out in Bytelair, you've t- you grew uh, the sort of family portfolio, your own portfolio, and that's My kind of where you, own, where you started. And then uh, you branched out. And I think this is the key with people who perhaps, um, you know, without preempting your journey. But um, uh, if we just have, um, you know, Bytelair, et cetera, we can chug along. Uh, we probably need quite a lot of capital. And or we need, you know, alternative ways of um, of, of growing a, a portfolio or growing a business in property. And of course, you you branched out, didn't you? You branched out into this sort of lettings agency and uh, introducing company. So introducing, what, yeah. Introducing, yeah. What what made you decide to do that? You hinted at it, didn't you? But I just want to delve a bit deeper, if I could. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a there comes to a stage where. You've got uh, limited funds, so you've used the capital which you had to be able to um, to build your own portfolio. Um, so you get to a certain stage where you want to carry on, do more, bigger, better. And the most natural transition is taking your expertise and the knowledge that you have and the contacts that you have and using them to help other people. Mm-hmm. So... That's what I did. You know, that's where I went to went into the introducing business, and then you're obviously using. You know, you've got other investors, so your 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 uh, your network grows, and the amount of properties you can buy, source is much larger. The the quantity is larger, and you make connections, and maybe you can even JV when you you know you hit up you hit it you hit up with certain people. Um, but there's there's money to be made in in that as well. So it's just I think it's a natural journey, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess it probably is to you, uh, but it might not seem or appear that obvious and natural to some people. So that's what I wanted to get into. But you're absolutely right. Everybody runs out of money at some point because it is a you know it's a capital intensive industry, isn't it, that we operate in? So um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you know we. You know, people usually have a job or a business and finite income and, you know, we can save up for deposits and buy to let. But, you know, unless we've got very, very high incomes and, um, you know, that's that's bonuses, it's going to happen. So um, you you obviously branched out into the sort of introducing and sourcing part of things. You said about 150 houses. Um, And and I think the other thing. May I just go back to. Yeah. One thing you just mentioned there, which is important, mm. that if you have a job, you're correct. You know, if you've got a job, then there's no, you're not going to do that. So you'll carry on uh, doing whatever you're doing and investing on the side. But if this is what you're doing all day long, 
and that is what I was doing all day long, then, you know, you need somewhere to go to once you've finished utilizing the capital that you have. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think there's, you know, a lot of people I speak to, because I, I, I work with a lot of people who um, got some big goals, et cetera, in property. And, you know, they perhaps want to make a transition from an employed, you know, position to being a lot, a lot of people come to me with a concept of I want to be full time in property, to which I always ask why. Mm. But um, but essentially, they want to, you know, they want to make a change um, and go from one environment to another environment. So often I'm talking about a transition period rather than a, you know, leap off the cliff right uh, but right. you're right if you've got a day job then it's usually a side hustle let's say with property but um you know some people want to make more of a business of it and and that's kind of what you know i was curious about with your story because a lot of people talk about multiple income streams and so yeah. you know you've yeah. got you'll have your portfolio you'll have your introducing business and i think the other thing i wanted to get into is that it sounds like you also uh, arranged lettings for the properties that you were introducing as well is that right well yes and no <laughs> i i personally did were interested in the lettings it's not it's not in my nature to to it's, it's very detailed and a lot of you know bits and pieces mm. but i brought in somebody um as a partner to manage the lettings but the lettings agency was only there really to accommodate the investment because you know if you've got a good investment and a good tenant but you don't have somebody to collect the rent and to look after the property then you ain't got an investment um it reminds me of once three extremely wealthy people came down to visit me from london um and they were thinking of purchasing in the region of 130 houses in one year they didn't in the end it didn't uh, didn't seem to tickle them mm -hmm. <clears throat> But one of the guys there, you know, I, he, I sat down with the letting agency that I I was um, going to hook them up with. Um, but one of the wealthy fellows, there, he's a, a shrewd businessman, a clever man, and he said to me, you know, in this game, the letting agency is the be and end all, which is, is extremely profound because you can get carried away with the property and the tenant and the, the quality of the property, etc. It's all, it's all valid points, but if you haven't got a robust and fantastic letting agency, you've got no investment. So part of my um, structure for being able to offer investments to, um, to clients and investors was that I could offer them a fantastic letting, you know, a fantastic letting agency that would manage their properties correctly, honestly. So that's really why I had the letting agency, but I wasn't involved with it. I was involved solely on sourcing. Um, so to speak, I was a sleeping partner, I'd say, in the letting agency. It was just there to accommodate the, invest, invest, the investment. Sure. But, it, I mean, first of all, you I mean, that, you had a business interest, right, in the lettings agency? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fair enough, but, yeah. Okay, um, but equally, you decided to have your own agency rather than just leverage a local one. Ultimately, so I wondered, you know, why that was the case. Yeah, so I didn't have I didn't have confidence that much in other letting agencies, mm -hmm. but I had no issues. Um, I had no issues for people to use different uh, agencies because that wasn't what I was trying to do: is make money from uh, from letting. So 
that wasn't the game. The, the, the aim of the game was that I had a good structure in place that people felt confident that the investments I was offering would roll and work properly. So yeah. there was a there was it was an off you know it was an offer that I offered them part of the service, but in no way was I interested really in in managing it. I wanted to concentrate, which I did, solely on sourcing um, goods and properties, managing the refurbs, and then giving it over to the letting agency to manage. Yeah, I'll come back to the focusing on your strengths point in a second, which, by the way, I yeah. fully subscribe yeah. to. Um, but you made an interesting point then. I was going to ask that there's this interim um, step, isn't it? Often with sourcing, you find a property, but it needs some work doing to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, to yeah. you know, probably not just a lick of paint, I imagine as well, right? So there was, so there was, there was every. I mean, most properties need a little bit of work doing to them. Some much more than others. Um, I preferred the properties which needed more work for two reasons. The main reason is because once you refurbished it well to a high standard, you know that you're giving the the, aid, the investor a quality investment and they're not going to come back to you in the three months time with complaints that the kitchen door is uh, falling off and this is broken and that's leaking mm -hmm. you know I once saw a billboard somebody was uh, advertising um, that they buy properties but they buy properties and on it said on it it said on it the uglier the better <laughs> yeah exactly which 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 resonates with me because the worse the property is, the more work you'll do on it, but then the longer it'll last, especially if you're offering it to a client, an investor, and you want them to be happy. The aim of the game is you want your clients to be happy. So you, there's no point in you offer, um, finding them a property which looks okay, you know, it's, it's okay. It can be rented out, you know, you'll manage, but six months down the line, there's gonna be issues. I wanted to give it to them tip top. So the more work that there was on it, the better it was for me. But obviously I would incorporate that into the purchase price. You know, I would say, oh, you know, it needs a lot of work. So I'll tell the agent I'm not prepared to offer X amount. There has to be much less than that. I would, I would, um, you know, I'll build that in. I'll build the works into the into the investment into the investments I was offering to the clients. But that worked to my advantage because these properties would last, you know, they would they would carry on without uh, repairs for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't always that I did big refurbs. I could do small refurbs, but the main the the aim of, the aim was that my investor should purchase a quality property, whether it means um, a fantastic refurb or a property which is in mint condition when I buy it. That was the aim of the game. So I needed builders in place to be able to facilitate that um, you know that part of the project as well and that's interesting as well in its own right because you, you've talked I was listening very carefully to when you explained um, that part of the business model if you like that you had and at no point did you talk about uplifting value and sort of forcing the appreciation you talked about you know protecting the asset safeguarding the asset making it sustainable for the long term keeping the investor client happy you that that seemed to be very much what you were talking about, but I, I guess at the same time you were probably also lifting values and creating equity. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. equity. Yeah, that'd be fair. Yeah, yeah, very good, Rich. Brilliant. 
brilliant, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant point. Brilliant point. No, I think so. I have my. I, yeah, it's, a, it's a brilliant point. So I have my view on this lifting, um, um, lifting the value of uh, you know lifting the, the value of a property up. Um, they call it BMV, right? Below market value. So well, yeah. it depends what the strategy of the investor is. Mm. If my investor, I, I never had any investors, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't work with an investor who wanted to be low market value because how do I know what they what they're gonna sell it for if that's what they want to do? Below market value only really works most times if you're going to refinance a property. Yeah. If you want to sell a property, below market value is is nonsense as far as I'm concerned. Unless it's one percent. You know, you can find them and you do find them, but it's really, really difficult to find the below market value to be able to sell. And if you're off, if you if the person finds it, I'll do it for myself. But to offer that to somebody else, I could never offer that to somebody else and say, "Listen, I got a property here. I'm telling you, we we'll buy it for sixty, put in ten seventy, and you'll be able to sell it for hundreds. I could never do that to anybody. Reason being is because how do I know? Number one, and if I'm so confident, I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> So my below market value was never my uh, it was never my sales pitch because I feel I felt it was dishonest. Oh, that's it interesting. You know, it wasn't there wasn't the truth. You know, I couldn't offer that. So my model was, I'll find you a good house, and you'll have a good return. Hopefully, we'll go up in value. You may there may be an uplift, you know, and they may be in like there, there will be an uplift, but I'm not promising that. If that's if you get that, that's a cherry on top. I can what I can promise you is that you have a good quality property, a good quality tenant, and you'll be making it eight, nine percent return on it a year. Grant you uh, my theory on the below market value. <laughs> they are shrewd guys and I do it myself sometimes where we want to refinance, you know, we buy property below market value, we call it below market value, but um we'll do the works on it and we'll come to refinance it, we want all our money out to maybe plus, okay, then you you know, that's a different strategy, totally different strategy, but to be able to get your money out below market value and you make X about profit is nonsense. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I feel strongly about it. I can tell. I can tell in, 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 in the Not way... Honest. Yeah, no, and I think. Sorry. No, no, no. Well, you know, one of the things perhaps I want to talk to you about at some point is values and principles, <laughs> and um, you're already sort of sharing it just in that that answer, that response. You know, some of those, and when you talk about the honesty or the dishonesty um, that you yeah. version to, so I'll perhaps come back to that. But you know, that's obviously something we I'd like to get into with you. But just to sort of elaborate a bit more that. You, I think at one point you you said you exited the or you sold the business, didn't you? The lettings and introducer business. Correct. The, the not the lettings, the the investment side of things. I sold to yeah, sold to somebody. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you built a business up, sold that. Presumably that you know I don't want to get into details, but presumably you took some some funds of that, which also would have helped you in in what happens next. I imagine. Well, yes and no. I had a substantial offer. It's a very hard business to sell because 
are in the business, right? It's my contacts, it's the trust that people have with me. It's a very hard business to sell. So when I had an offer to purchase a business and it was a substantial offer, I felt, you know, it was time to sell it. Um, and there was, there was mainly one reason uh, why I did that. I wasn't sure what, how the market would react. This is going back about two, three years ago. Okay. Um, and also the responsibility is huge. Yeah. It's a very, very big responsibility. Just to give you an example, you know, you offer somebody a property, you tell them, it, I get it for 60K, the works will cost 10, that's 70, you know, a bit of fees here and there, uh, 73. And fantastic, the guy goes ahead with it, and then, oops, the works aren't 10, I'm sorry, they're 13. Then what do you do? It's a terrible feeling to go back to the landlord and ask him for more funds, you know, you... you, you you, you got it wrong, right? <laughs> and they don't really understand. They, you know, building works never really, you know, exactly the, is 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 how it works. Um, so you can lose uh, people can lose trust in you. So the responsibility is huge. Um, then, if for whatever reason the property is not rented as you 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 hoped, you know, for a year it worked out very well, and then didn't work out afterwards for some, wherever the reason is, it, it comes back to me, the person that introduced it to them. So that responsibility, I took maybe, I took very seriously, maybe too seriously, and I felt that, you know, it was time to move on. And what I wanted to do was, was actually buy and sell, mm. which I did for a bit of time. Um, but it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, and that's why I left it. Fair enough. And went into bridging. Yeah, so you went into bridging. There's a nice segue. So presumably, um, so when you went into bridging, let's just clarify, you're the bridging funder, right? You're a private bridging yeah. provider. Okay. Yeah. So um, you must have deep pockets then or access to huge amounts of funds because yeah. we property investors and developers are very hungry for funds, aren't we? Yeah, good question. So yes, the truth is, the pocket, I have big pockets, but they're not my pockets, they're family <laughs> pockets, family and friends' pockets. Uh-huh. Uncles, I've got one particular uncle who's extremely wealthy who funds a lot of the deals. So it's, it's, they're not my pockets. I might, I might uh, participate depending on the deal. Um, so it's family, it's, you know, like family office funds, yeah. so to speak, which I use. And you, 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 so you assembled a kind of, yeah, as you say, like a family office type of approach where you, yeah. I guess you, for once yeah. of a better description, you've got a syndicate um, of um, private, this is private individuals, right, providing the funding. That's right. No, it's not institutional. Right. Right. Not institutional, no. Yeah. And, and how do you find that? Because I know we had a conversation in the past about, you know, the distinction, if you like, between people lending their own money. And let's say, I'm sure you, well, I'll ask you rather than assume, but do you look at when you're lending the money of your family, wider family office in the syndicate, if you like, uh, the same as yourself? Or do you look at it slightly differently? No, I look at exactly the same as it's just my own money. In fact, I may be more cautious with their money than with my own money. Yeah. You know, if it's, if it's my money and it goes pressure, then I'm to blame. If it's somebody else's money, then I have to be, you know, a bit, bit more vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between the private funds and institutional funds is institutional funds, you're bound by their criteria. Mm-hmm. Whereas private funds, 
I, I, you know, I take the approach that I want to take, and if I feel comfortable with this fellow or this property, then I will lend. I will lend on it, and if I feel extremely comfortable that I'll lend in 80, 85%, then I can do that. Whereas it's institutional, you're bound very much by their criteria. So you're in a box. You can't. Uh, you can't. Um, you can't change the way the way they've the, the the rules and regulations that they've given you because you have to fit in to the to the the rules that they've they've uh, stipulated on how you can use their money. Whereas the, the privately funded, they rely on me, and uh, and I will use it to my discretion. Yeah, so you you'll have diff- you'll have a different way of looking at things, no doubt, to an institu- institution. Especially a regulated institution. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, sure. yeah. yeah, so you've got the management yeah. team, etc., and the shareholders, but you've also got a regulator breathing down their neck, so telling them yeah. what they can and can't do and how to do about things. And I guess you're free of some of those shackles, I guess. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, as they say, in, in a gold rush, people who make the most money are the ones selling the shovels. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is would you know? Maybe you know. I'm likening bridging to the shovels in this in this in this in this um, analogy here. Uh, but is that what you're doing essentially? Are you providing a service to investors, much like you were before? But this time, it, the service happens to be money. Yeah, yeah. You can say you can look at it like that. Yeah. Money, money is, is, is yeah. It's like a as you say, it's like a shovel. It's just um, it's. Uh, tool for the job something a lot of people would be interested in um you know, getting it, touching a property. So whether it's to, you know, touching the actual property that, to rent it out, to flip it on or to develop it. And you took a, mm-hmm. you took a decision at some point that you would uh, provide the funds for other people to do that more so than you doing yeah. it yourself uh, or not, yeah. not always yeah. doing it yourself. And I think it was the, yeah. what I'm trying to understand, you know, uh, the rationale for you just choosing to do that. I'm not making a judgment, just curious about how you, yeah, it's a good uh, question. How and why it's you a good question. That. Mm, okay. It's a very good question. So the, the answer is, I found it extremely hard to find deals that stacked up with a relatively decent profit margin. I didn't only find it difficult; I tried it. I did it. Men, I did it quite a few times. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe six, seven, eight, nine times. I bought, refurbished, and then flipped. But you know. Took number one, it could take a long time. It's an uncertainty. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't know whether you're going to achieve the price you wanted, and most times you don't, and how long it's going to take you to sell. And in that time, you could have made your money doing something else. So, you know, I, I did some properties up to extremely high spec um, because that's, that's, that's the way I work. I can't do half, half jobs. And also, I feel that if it's done up nicely, you'll sell faster. And this was targeting young professionals, home, first-time homeowners. Um, but it didn't stack up. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'd come away and maybe make two grand profit after four months. Mm-hmm. 
So the time, energy, and uncertainty was enough just to to say bye bye. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and then on the flip side of that, the bridging, yeah, uh, yeah, it, does that provide completely the opposite experience for you? Yeah, you know what's happening. You know what's happening. You're in, you're out, and you're making your, you know, you're making your percentages as you go in. Um, you know exactly what's happening. Whereas uh, buy to sell, it's very uncertain. Yeah, very uncertain. Yeah, I, I sometimes talk to people about, you know, when that question I made, uh, referred to earlier about, you know, someone saying I want to go full time in property. I would say, be careful what you wish for because, um, you know, it's it's not it's not plain sailing. It's not an easy ride. There is a lot of uncertainty and unpredictability that goes with the territory. Yeah. So, yeah. And especially if you, you know, yeah. you've got something else to do that you could do. Yeah. Like, you know, have a yeah. well paid job somewhere and and just leave properties as side hustle. Or, um, actually, do what you do and, and just invest funds into other people's projects. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, basically, I, I look at it that very much that way. I'm like a JV. Yeah. Um, but just structured in a different way. Well, I think, it, I think yeah, it, it's private financing, JV financing, whatever you wish. I, I, I don't know the way. Yeah. I think I do know the way you work. You probably you fix your rates, don't you? So. Um, yeah, yeah. But you also yeah. you also talked about in the past that you had you had JVs with other partners. So you know, in that in that sense, you were taking in money from other people to to work on your own projects at one point, were you? Um, yes, well, yeah, yeah. My funds and their funds, correct. Um, especially in in the flipping um, side of things, buying to flip, and then you've got the the that pressure that the JV is not doing so well as well as he anticipated um, and I don't like letting people down so that is a big negative to it I wouldn't say it's, it's it, you know it wasn't for me some people are really good at it you know they managed to find the property and they do it up and they flip it or even just put it back into auction and make money on it but you have to have you have to have uh, you know nerves of steel for that sort of stuff <laughs> and I don't think I made out of that well, at least you know yourself. <laughs> but I think yeah, yeah. It, it was. Le- I was leading really into a di- direction with, which is bringing you back to that question, which was, um, you know, I often talk about, you know, as a property investor or developer, is making ourselves bankable or investable. So, in, uh, and so to the institutions, that means you know presenting yourself that meets their policies and criteria. Um, I'm just wondering. How how does that sit with you then? As more, if you look at it more from a private financing point of view, if I can use that phrase, or family office point of view, you know, maybe taking the experience when you were talking to your own JV partners, getting funds in, and perhaps now when you're talking to investors and developers, and maybe looking to put your funds out, what are the key characteristics? Do you think uh, that you you know that you can identify from your experience? that would make an investor developer bankable or investable? You mean how would I assess uh, an, an investor wants to come borrow money from me? How do I, how do I look at them? Yeah, exactly. what, what, what would make you say yes, <laughs> basically, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's in bridging, there's two, there's two ways of looking at it. You, you look at the property and you look at the, and the individual, um, the traditional method is more the property than the actual investor, um, but I seem to look at it a little bit differently. I, I prefer to put the investor first before the property. So who is the person? 
well, do they have experience? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and number two is, you know, do they have street sense? Do they have uh, do they have logic? Do they do they, do they do they understand what they're doing? Do they are they are they are they clear on what they're doing? Does it stack up? And if it does, you know, act and you can tell if somebody knows what they're doing or they don't know what they're doing, especially if you're in that industry. Mm-hmm. So if they've got experience, even if they didn't know what they were doing, but now they do know what they're doing because they've got experience, they've got two, three, four, five properties, or they, they're sourcing for clients and they're refurbishing. So you've got confidence that, you know, these guys know what's happening. Um, and also, you know, do they, do, they, do they know their figures? Do they understand the market? It's to do with knowledge. How much do they know? That's what gives me the confidence in, uh, in investors. Which, um, you know, you haven't talked about, you know, capital adequacy, loans of values and <laughs> all that stuff. You've actually talked about key fundamentals, haven't you? Um, about For sure. In, about the individual. So um, that's good. Because I, I think at the moment there's a real, I think there's a bit of a gap. Uh, maybe you're helping to plug this gap, Abraham, I don't know. But um, and I'm not saying you know, just because there is a gap, we should plug it always. But the, yeah. the, the institutional lending is getting tougher and tougher. Um, in the current landscape, you might have seen this over the years. Obviously, um, you know, if we look back at 2007, anything goes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, write your own check, right? You know, say you earn what you want, sell certain mortgages, same debt financing, yeah. loan to value, all that stuff. Um, that's not the current climate at all. Um, but at the same time, some you know investors and smaller developers are perhaps struggling to to you know raise funds. Would you say that's the case? For sure, most definitely. I'll tell you a very interesting case I'm dealing with at the moment. Um, I went to visit a guy in Bristol. I'm in Newcastle, and they were in Bristol, and I took the, the day off because I felt there could be some synergy over here, and I felt that he was worthy of you know, me lending him funds or at least helping him get off the ground. So this guy, he he, he had a, a portfolio of 19 houses that he was, that he is managing. They're all HMOs, but none of those 19 houses belong to him. It's all rent to rent. Uh-huh. So over it was it's been about I think it was uh, 15 months. He had he had built up a portfolio of 19 houses rent to rent. He didn't own any of them, uh-huh. just renting it off the landlord and renting them out. And nobody would lend him any funds because he doesn't have any properties. He doesn't even. Uh, he doesn't even own his own house, I don't think. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but definitely, he wouldn't be able to get uh, a, a mortgage that easily, or even bridging for that case. But I felt, you know, if he's got 19 houses, which we're talking about, uh, uh, talking about what, 60, 70 tenants he's looking after. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's got some sort of outfit over there. He's got some sort of operation. He knows what he's doing, and he wants to buy it for himself instead of, you know, managing it for other people. So I took the trip down there. I wanted to see him personally, and you know, get to know him, understand who he is, and see if I I, I got on with him and or whether he's got business acumen, and also to see the properties that he manages. And I was very impressed, and I felt, you know, I'm, I was happy to lend him. So that's what I'm doing. Whereas if it would be institutional lending or 
other type of bridging companies, I'm not sure. You know, they maybe would have said to him, you know, you're just managing, you don't really have much for yourself, we can't really lend you. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, the that's would have been, computer says no, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. So, that's right, that's right, that's know, right, that's right. I, I yeah. work with a blend of institutional lenders and private, you know, finance for once a better description. And, and I think with the private um, investors that I work with, whether, it, whether it's JV or whether it's fixed rate, you know, yeah. um, most of it comes down to um, what kind of things you just said, actually. You know, do you click for a start? Um, so yeah. does, Can I work with him? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Can you work together? Um, do, you have, do you share the values, perhaps? Do, do they have what it takes? Yeah. Do they have the knowledge, et cetera? So, you know, often, you know, and then the, from the investor point of view, they have their own needs. Um, so some people, you know, security is a big deal. Other people, yeah. it's your track record. You know, you may, I'm sure it's actually a blend, in, you know, really, but uh, some people focus in more on one angle than the other. So um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking oh, over the sort of two decades that you've been working with, there must have been some highs and lows and some, you know, you've kind of alluded to a few, but, you know, perhaps – either others or great success stories or perhaps even the odd slip up now and again you want to just share at this point i'm thinking <laughs> nothing sticks out nothing sticks out badly in my mind um yeah well i, I yeah i suppose i did you know when in in 2000 and how it was six seven when prices were climbing quite nicely I refinanced a very large portfolio and I put it into syndicates. Um, people were making big, uh, the purchasing big uh, commercial retail units. And uh, I thought I'll diversify, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those went bang in 2009, 2010. So I lost a very lot of money, mm-hmm. which, you know, put me in a very... In, in this position because I was very high leveraged. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I creeped out of that slowly but truly. Um, but that was that was very disappointing, I'd say. Um, but that's that's one I can really think about any big, big, big things that happened to me. I mean, uh, by the way, you wouldn't be alone, would you, around about 2009? Um, and yeah. if, if you would have refinanced and leveraged up and then, you know, just before that and then seen the uh, price reductions in, in that time, um, you know, it's, it's going to happen to a lot of people. Um, it was very disappointing, yeah. Yeah, but do you, do you think that would have, that, let, that experience has changed your approach? Or, you know, you picked up some, some learning from it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's for sure. It's taught me never to go into syndicate again. (laughs) Where I've got no, yeah, where I've got no control. You know, it's not up to me. It's up to the the directors, whatever it is. I wouldn't do that again in a hurry. Yeah, I've spoken to a few people who kind of um, sadly lost a lot around about the the fallout from the global financial crisis. And I'm talking about people who've had, you know, hundred hundred property portfolios and and of that ilk. And a lot of them, uh, and some people with smaller portfolios as well, but a lot of them talk about actually, you didn't say it directly, but in their case, it was often the banks. And, you know, they had a, you know, a loan to value, a minimum loan to value clause in their uh, terms. You know, we saw a, you know, a fall off in, in pricing uh, after the global financial crisis, perhaps took their um, loan to value below the watermark, you know, of what was required. That's right. That's right. 
But yeah. perhaps instead of, because uh, you, you alluded to the fact you're able to work it out, but if you've got an income generating asset and you can service the debt, you can work it out. Um, yeah. You know, just because you've got a lesser equity position, if you if you can service the debt, yeah. you, can, you should be able to work it out. But what, what some of these people I was talking to were saying at the time is that they weren't given the opportunity and it was all about banks and balance sheets and, uh, and policy. True. True. Um, but you managed to get get away uh, relatively unscathed by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't ask too many questions, thank God. <laughs> well, well, well yeah. done you on that. Um, I think, um, yeah. and the other thing I kind of wanted to get out was you alluded to it uh, earlier. We we touched on it was, was the idea of principles and values. Um, you know, just you know, how do you go about things? Are the you know things that are about you in you know and the way you work? that you will always, you know, keep with you? And in fact, are there any that you might change or have changed over time? I think the most important part of this business is honesty and uh, everything being um, transparent. Um, because if you don't, it will come back to haunt you. It'll come back to bite you. So you just have to be extremely honest and transparent with Everyone uh, you deal with, um, I think that's that's imperative. Mm. And I think that uh, adds to the success. People trust you after that. So although there's, you don't you you do it because that's the right thing to do, but there is a huge gain in it, and that is people will respect you and uh, trust you. When people think property, mm-hmm. they think of owning the property, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. You're spot on. <laughs> you're spot on. And um, I, yeah, I, I guess, that's... sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, carry on, I guess. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is there's more than one way to skin the cat. So. That's right, that's right, spot on. Yeah. You're right, you're 100% right. I mean, the, the, the reason why I went to bridging, first of all, I, I felt it, it fits my personality and it's something uh, I really enjoy. Um, I enjoy the figures, I enjoy the thrill, the challenge, the speed. Um, um, looking at things in, in different, in a different way to, to other people because that's what bridging is. It's, it's creative financing. Um, but besides for all those points, from a, a financial point of view, it's, uh, it can be very rewarding. I mean, there's no, there's no limits. The sky has no limits in bridging. You know, you can go to, if you've got the right funding in place and the right, um, and the right, uh, clientele, who knows where where you can go to? So you're right. There's a few, you know, there's more more, more than one way of skinning uh, of skinning. Quite right. Mm-hmm. And what and what the other thing you just again I, I, I'm estimating uh, and uh, interpreting from what you're saying. Um, the sky's the limit implies that you can scale um, this business. Is for you? sure. Yeah. For sure. If I need to. For sure. For sure. There's no question about it. Um, wasn't easy getting off the ground. Yeah. You know. You have to make you have to make sure everything's in place. I mean, it's taken me some time to make sure everything's spot on, but for sure, you can go who knows where. Yeah. Um, Watch the space, Richard. Watch the space, man. <laughs> Watching carefully, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. Talking about. I've got fire. I've got fire in my belly. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, looking looking at maybe ahead then, um, and and talking of watching this space. What do you yeah. think uh, we can expect in 
maybe you straddle like two camps in a way, uh, the property market and the property financing market. So what, what are your thoughts on the future, but whether that's the immediate future or maybe the longer term direction and trends? Abraham, I'm curious. Well, I think, uh, I think in looking at my crystal ball, I believe prices will, prices in the market will, will stabilize or they are stabilizing, but they will definitely be going up um, over the next five years, most definitely so. And regarding financing, I think mortgages will, will become easier and, and definitely bridging is becoming more popular and uh, people don't know much about it, but they are be, becoming, they are getting educated along the way. So I think bridging will, you know, will be much more of a, a staple over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you say that about bridging because to me it's second nature. But I do I do come across people who have either not I wouldn't say they haven't heard of bridging. I think I think there's a general awareness that exists, but they're afraid of it. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For so, sure. It's got a stigma. Mm-hmm. It's got a stigma and people are not educated about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will you know, it's happening slowly but surely. I'm not educating them. I'm letting the big big, big companies educate them, and then I'll just climb in. <laughs> you're, uh, you're sort of riding the wave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. I haven't got the manpower to educate. I'll let them educate. Yeah. Once people know, then I can tap into them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you also talked about network, and that's how we were introduced. So we connected on LinkedIn. And yes. um, So is that something you actively do? You build your network? Yes. Yeah, LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn extremely powerful. Um, I've done a lot of different types of uh, networking, but uh, I'm finding LinkedIn to be extremely uh, rewarding. Um, you know, people are, people do come forward, I connect with them. There is something there, definitely. Yeah, see, I'm curious about that as well. I mean, are you also on Facebook by any chance? Nope, only LinkedIn. Well, the reason I, so I'm interested, you said that because. Um, it seems to be, seems to me, the big boys who you refer to and, and some of the yeah. networks attached to them are very, very big on Facebook. Um, really? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. But <laughs> So I, mm. I think it's interesting yourself that you're using LinkedIn um, as, a, as a network. I use LinkedIn because it's B2B and it's business to business, mm-hmm. whereas, um, whereas Facebook is, is not, not, not only um, – I mean, it's not. It's mainly personal, you know, more personal stuff, and not uh, business. But I may be wrong. I may be missing something there. That there, there could be a huge element of business going on on there on Facebook as well, which I will look into. <laughs> well, um, if I've brought you into Facebook as a result of our conversation, then fair enough. But I, I'll I have to give you a cut every deal that comes through. <laughs> it, yeah. No, no, no need at all. I'm happy that you're sharing with our <laughs> um, Abraham. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> But I guess uh, the other thing, maybe sort of starting to think about, um, you know, just sort of closing the conversation and getting to that point. Yeah. Um, maybe, so you talked about the future of the market. Uh, perhaps in, you said you had a fire in your belly. So if someone's yeah. got a fire in their belly who's listening to us yeah. today talking, um, what sort of advice and tips might you have for them? Maybe starting out in, um, you know, starting out today. I, I'm, I'm not even going to say property because, you know, we've already yeah. identified it could be, Property related yeah. doesn't have to be directly property. Yeah. 
It's a good question. I think uh, perseverance is extremely important. Just, you know, you get knocked so many times um, and it happens. You can't, uh, you can't get out of it, whether it's from your family, your friends, your wife, your husband. They're subconsciously, they, they knock and they put doubts in your mind. But, you know, if you've got the, 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 the passion, or you've got the, the vision, you, you, you have to keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. And if you've got somebody to support you, even better. If you've got a mentor, a coach, powerful stuff every two, three weeks because you know someone there to, to hold your hand. Um, but it's all from within. The person has to know that that's what he wants to do. And he has to, you know, he has to know he's got the fire in the belly. If he knows he's got the fire in the belly, then he can, he can surround himself and create the right environment for him to be able to move forward even when he gets knocked mm. yeah a lot of people think it's a glamorous business don't they <laughs> yeah the roller coaster man a roller coaster <laughs> absolutely is um you talked about mentors and coaches do, do you yourself or have yeah. you used them yourself yeah i do i do i do i do actually mm-hmm. I, I i had a coach for some time and then um i I went on to mentor, which I actually have now a mentor. I didn't know the difference between the two. It took mm-hmm. me time to, to research and understand. But a coach, a coach doesn't have to be in your business. He like mm-hmm. coaches, coaches you and supports you and re- really listens to what what you've got to say. You know, you might ask a question and he'll say back to you. So what do you think? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. where the mentor, it seems a mentor is ha- has been in your position before. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to he wants to get results. He wants to help you achieve what you want to achieve. So that's what I see the difference is. Um and, and they're powerful, you know, they're very powerful tools. They're very powerful tools. Doesn't matter in which industry you're in, if you've got that support and you've got that uh, the the guidance there, they're worth a million dollars. If you get the right one, you have to have the right guy and you know, we mentioned that you have to click together. But it's invaluable. Yeah, and you've you've been in a couple of business spaces or sec- segments or sectors of the industry. Um, you know, spanning yeah. introducer, you know, port- managing your own portfolio, lettings on behalf of the people, uh, the bridging. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I may have missed some out in this recount, but you know, I think I think when you sort of mul- the multiple income streams, mul- multiple business lines or angles, you know, it's probably even more of a calling to have access to people who can give you that guidance and support. For sure, yeah, one hundred percent. And, and I think the other thing is that people forget, um, uh, you know, and again, when people say, I want to go full time in property, um, I, I know some people have gone from large corporate environments and then suddenly found themselves just literally in their little home office all on their own, Monday to Friday, twiddling their thumbs and not a soul to talk to. So it, yeah. can, it can be a lonely old trail as well, can't it? it definitely it can be very lonely. Yeah. It is. It is. Being an entrepreneur and going on your own journey is very, very lonely. Yeah. It's very lonely. So, you know, you have to make sure you've got the right environment to be able to survive um, in the direction you want to go. Yeah. And how, surrounding yourself with people can give you that guidance and prop you up when, you know, you get a lot of no's, you get a lot of knocks, as you said. So I think, For uh, sure. you know, just but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah. You have to keep going. Yeah. And even if you don't succeed, you've tried. You've tried. You know, can't, shouldn't feel like a failure. You've done your bit. You've tried. 
Well, you know, there is no failure, is there? There's only lessons. So I think well, then That's you, right. if you don't even That's try, right. then, you know, then you would never know, would you? You would never know. No. Cool. Um, Abraham, so we, you know, I was talking about, you know, we talked about your network and we talked about LinkedIn and it's kind of a bit of a queue. Um, if people want to reach out to you, how could they find you? Where could they find you? Where? Well, type in Abraham Bolel, Simple Bridging, UK, or just Abraham Bolel, Northeast. I don't think there's many Abraham Bolels in the UK, <laughs> Richard. I get, the, I get the feeling anyway. <laughs> you haven't looked. So, <laughs> I don't think there's any. So it wouldn't be too hard. No worries. To find me. And what or they is, can call me. Oh, go on. Sorry. sorry. I'm open. They can call me. I'm open. I'm open to any, any type of communication. Do you want to give Just me reach out number? and I'll be there. Reach out and I'll be there for them. Sounds good. Uh, Abraham, do you want to give your phone number on air? Is that, is that yes, something it, you're happy? It's zero. Yeah, very happy. Zero seven nine six eight two four zero seven eight six. Oh seven nine six eight two four zero seven eight six. Perfect. So people who are listening to this can can make a mental note of that if as long or you know yeah, sure. write it down if it's safe for them to do so. Some people are driving. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah. you know, I'll put the contacts, including your phone number and your, your LinkedIn uh, profile connection, etc., and your website in the show notes, Abraham. So people can also look you Very up. Handy. Yeah, no worries at all. But yeah. uh, I think it's been fascinating. I, I you know, knew when we first spoke that you had a story to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, you've some, you, you kind of know yourself well. I think that came, that's come over. Yeah. And you've kind of yeah. followed a slightly different path. Um, it's not. Yeah. It's Thank not, you. Not the 90% part path. Uh, so, yeah, it's been very interesting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. You're more than welcome. So I'm sure we'll talk again, but I want to just say thanks for joining us today on the Property Voice podcast, Abraham. It's been a pleasure. 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 Have a fantastic day. I'm going to, after that, I'm going to try and keep it brief. Um, obviously, so much came out of the conversation uh, with Abraham. And uh, if you listen carefully, there were so many nuggets, weren't there? I think there was a hint of maybe sticking to what you're good at, or at least sticking to what your strengths are, uh, and indeed what you like. Abraham dabbled in a couple of areas, but then retreated back, didn't he? He talked about the flipping, which didn't quite go so well. He talked about this syndicated financing, which also didn't quite go so well as well. And now he's very much focused on the bridging finance, having built a portfolio earlier in his career. And in the middle point, um, he built this introducing business, as he called it, which he subsequently sold on. The key thread, of course, was that he was, you know, a lot of the time delivering services to investors, whether it's actual services in the form of finding properties or indeed financial services more recently in terms of finding finance. And I think the real key point about that is, you know, is you can make a success of this business in a number of different ways, can't you? And so in this particular way, it was providing services and latterly providing finance without necessarily always being into the guts of a property project, um, you know, directly. So there's indirect ways of, uh, of making it work, which came over very clearly. I think another key point that came out of the conversation was he talked about this family office idea for the bridging financing. 
and uh, literally clubbing together with other members of the family, his, his money, but also the deep pockets, as he called it, of other people in the family as well. Now, we, we might not have access to uh, unlimited pots of cash personally, but maybe we can club together. So not in the syndicate way that uh, Abraham was a little bit uh, wary of because he didn't have the control, perhaps in this family office way where he could take a lead position in a property transaction, or you could actually infer that in a property development deal, etc. club together funds to actually leverage and scale your business operations in property. So I know that uh, Abraham's a really nice guy. He's very, very reachable, uh, friendly, chatty guy, as you could understand. So feel free to reach out and connect with him. I think there was an awful lot that we could take away from the conversation. Uh, just listen carefully to what he had to say. I won't repeat all of it here in the interest of time uh, for this particular recording. So I guess that uh, all that's left to say is uh, the show notes are going to be over the website, including contacts of how you can reach uh, Abraham directly. And if you want to talk to me about anything from today's show or talk to me about property investing more generally, you know you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. Of course, our website, thepropertyvoice.net as well. And I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.